you don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's dot. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This week's edition of Tom's Talks takes us outside the Sixers circle. The first game of the restart is against the Indiana Pacers. The longtime TV analyst of the Pacers is Quinn Buckner. He gives us insight into that matchup and has high praise for the 76ers. Also, Quinn Buckner has a basketball resume that few can match. A winner at every level. He won the state championship in high school in Illinois, the NCAA championship at Indiana, an Olympic gold medal with the U.S. team in 76, and an NBA championship with Boston in 1984. He talks about those teams. Plus, he touches on Bobby Knight, Red Auerbach, Michael Jordan, and more on this week's Tom's Talks podcast. Welcome to another edition of Tom's Talks, and we're joined by Quinn Buckner, one of the winningest basketball players in the history of our sport, and he joins us, uh, I'm assuming, from Indiana, Quinn, where he's getting ready to call the Pacers games in the NBA restart. And, uh, one, thank you for joining us. How is life in Indiana? Well, Tom, it's, it's, it's like a lot of other places. I think our state has done a pretty good job trying to manage uh, COVID and you have the social unrest and, and that's, that's tapering off. But COVID is, is manageable, and I use that word in quotes, but all in all, I'm on the right side of the grass and all the important things are fine. Thank you. So you're getting ready to call these games. I know Fox Sports Indiana has announced that they are going to call all the games. What do you think that's going to be like for you and Chris to call the game, not at the site, but uh, back here in Indianapolis when the games are being played in, in Orlando? Well, it, we remotely did this when the Pacers played uh, Sacramento in India. And I've been blessed enough, and I know you have too, Tom, to be in this business long enough that periodically you do that. I've done world feeds and, and been on, on a site other than where the event has occurred this will be a little different only because I think there's got to be some social distancing in terms of what you normally see on a broadcast. Because right. normally play-by-play analysts are seated together. That's probably not going to be the case at least six feet 
a part. But as a rule, this is something we've done before. What will make it interesting, though, is the fact that you don't have fans. Um, because one of the things that I think uh, when you do games remote, you're able to get some um, audio feed that gives you a sense of the, the, the arena. And it allows you to generate a certain amount of energy or, or really just receive a certain amount of energy. Here, uh, I think this is going to be much like studio where you're at a game and that has all the energy. It comes back to the studio and you have to generate your own energy in order to have the fans feel engaged with that with you because you're not on site. So that will make it interesting. But I, for me, it's, it's fun and it'll be another challenge. And I, and I actually kind of like the idea of doing it, really. One of the reasons we're having you on is the Sixers and Pacers are going to play the first official game for both these teams in the restart. And, of course, they're tied in the Eastern Conference right now uh, in fifth and sixth place. The Pacers have the edge with the two-game uh, one series advantage. What do you think about that, the first game? And, of course, for you guys, the status of both Brogdon, as we speak, and Old Depot is key. But the pace is going forward as we get restarted and playing the Sixers in the first game. Well, I think it's going to be difficult for everybody. And this is, this is just my perception of this. You've got young men that have to unpack a whole lot given life in the last four or five months. And what this is coming down to is it's, this is as cliched as it can get, is mental toughness. Who can really find a way to resharpen, if you will, that tool? And the tool being the mental tool. Uh, you got two weeks to work on your physical skills. I think that will help and hopefully keep guys from being injured. But I, I still think that this has as much to, as a mental aspect. Now, you lose, if, depending on what happens with Victor and Malcolm, those are two of your top line players. And you, there's some uncertainty, I say for sure, about Victor. I don't know about Malcolm. Malcolm is back, and I know he's, he's back working out. And, and Victor's been working out. So the question is whether or not they have been able to do this on a consistent basis. But look. Playing the Sixers, <laughs> you know, you do, you see it all the time. They're no joke. I mean, really talented team. You, you've added, you know, Shake Milton has been one of the, I think, one of the real surprises in the league. It's one of the shocks in the league. You're looking to add some perimeter shooting with him at 45% from the three line. So you're now doing that. And, and Ben Simmons at four, wow. So you, you but in the meantime, they're probably going to have more ball handlers on the floor. So you become a, a different team to play against. And that's what's interesting, that the Pacers have to be prepared to uh, play a team in the first game that's very different than the, Pace, the Sixers team that they've played before. And so um, I think it'll be a task, but it just still depends on who is, is better prepared, I think, much more from a mental standpoint than a physical standpoint. One of the players that's been a bench contributor for the Pacers is former Sixer T.J. McConnell. What have you seen and what have you liked from McConnell in his one year in Indiana? The same thing all, all the Philly love. you got to love a guy who brings it. I mean, he maxes, his, uh, he maxes what he can do from a pure basketball standpoint and from a physical standpoint. But he's a great – I think he does a great job helping the team on the floor aggregate or get to come together because he's a guy that finds open people. He's got some tenacity about him. He's got real toughness about him, high level understanding uh, and a really good teammate. And, and, you know, I like him because he reminds me a lot of the things that I've seen other players who have limited skills do, but do it 
he's not as big as everybody, and he doesn't care about that. He knows what he can do. He's confident in it, and his teammates are confident that he'll come in and make a contribution. He's been a great addition uh, with the second unit, and particularly when he and Sabonis are in there together. The second unit for the Pacers is very effective because TJ knows who needs what, when, and where, how to get in and out of places. And a lot of, again, a lot of the great things you saw when he was a sixer, he brought to the Pacers. Speaking of the second unit, McDermott was talking that, that the Pacers as a whole are, you got some players that were already traded or had to come there in the case of Brogdon as a free agent, but Sabonis, and then the guy, the other TJ that not a lot of people talk about is TJ Warren. He had like a 28, 30 point game against the Sixers. It's a group that has, I think, something to prove in speaking of Indiana. Well, I think that's what Kevin Pritchard, the, uh, the president of basketball, has really got. You get guys that are um, underappreciated, if you will. And I think that's what that situation is. And when you have guys like that who come in and people don't necessarily give them maybe the kind of respect that they feel like they're due, they know they have to continue to earn it. And one of the things that I've always thought about our league is the team that can play the hardest and the longest or and or if you will stay motivated has the best chance to win so you get a number of guys like that and you're right tj warren has been a welcome surprise and i say welcome but not because of his offense tj warren is a good defensive player and i don't think anybody thought that so he's now combining that which he stretched the three ball out and now he's doing that with consistency he's become a tough player to guard on offense but he's a tough player to play against when he's playing defensively. So there's some really good things with him coming over to the team as well. All right, let's turn to Quinn Buckner. As I said, uh, a champion uh, multiple times at both high school, college, the Olympics, the NBA, and we'll get into the NBA. Uh, you were with the 84 Celtics team that won the championship. But it all started for you, not even in Indiana, but at Dalton Thorndridge High School, and for our Philadelphia fans, that's right in the neighborhood where Donovan McNabb uh, grew up. And you were the 2A state champion in, like, 1974. You won it twice in a row, I think, right? Wasn't that two times in a row? Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm the, my high school team, and I'm, I'm proud of all of my teams. My high school teams were really good. Um, we won it. We only lost one game between my junior and senior year in high school. And we won the state championship both times undefeated my senior year and had really good players on it. Guys that are just, you know, a lot like teams that I've been blessed enough to play on. They just played and they played for each other. Um, and, and it's outside of Chicago. So we have to play some schools in Chicago and still was, was able to withstand that. And, and being from Philly, you know how it is when you've got the suburban schools, people don't quite have the same appreciation for your game. And being able to be some of the Chicago schools periodically, I, I, I enjoyed that as much as anything else. So that championship was in March of 1974. And like Indiana, in Illinois, it was just a huge Thing, like to go downstate mm -hmm. and lead eight, and I've shared this with you before, and I laugh, but in this form, I haven't. And so I was in fifth grade, and you were a senior at Dalton Thorndridge High School. <laughs> and at recess, I would go out there, and we would play pickup, and I had to be Quinn Buckner. But like I said, everybody wanted to be Quinn Buckner. So some days I had to be Boyd Bass. That brings you back a little bit, huh? Yeah, Boyd Bass was actually the best player on our team. From a pure skill perspective, he was 6'6". A lot of the things you could see um, with guys of that size, you see today routinely, 6'6 guys could handle the ball. He played center for us. He could make shots. He could block shots. 
there wasn't anything he couldn't do. He, he, every now and then we'd have to kind of jerk him back into, you know, you're playing with a team, you're not playing for yourself. So he was a terrific player. Um, and we had Greg Rose, who was a great athlete and a terrific shooter. But our little guard, Mike Bonzik, was really the key because he was a kid who, who his father had been a coach. And because of that, he understood how to pull people together. He could pass the ball. He'd hit you in the head with it if you weren't paying attention. So it, it brought something uh, there. But, and then the other guy we had was Ernie Dunn. And Ernie Dunn was by far intellectually the brightest guy that we had on the team. And he knew how to be a really good teammate and had solid skills, not great, had solid skills. I'm a football player, honestly that played basketball and I was a little bit of a man child, more so in elementary school, but in high school as well, because I, I was on, when I left elementary school, I was about six feet and 180. I was big then. So, and my dad had played sports. So I had a mentality, which I carried through my entire life about, I was never going to be the best athlete. So I wasn't as, I worked on my game, but I worked, that's the shoulders down. My, my father helped me understand shoulders up part of the game. And that's really what I think, uh, enabled me to be able to play with really good players and accept whether I could make a contribution in one place or another. Right. So you played in the defensive secondary in high school, and you actually went to Indiana, as we know, and we're going to get into with the basketball, but you played, uh, if I'm not mistaken, defensive back for two years on the Hoosier football team. Yeah, I played, all, I played football all four years of high school, and, and you're right, I was a defensive back and, and played. I played a little, all the skill positions except quarterback. When I got to college, I got ready to go to college. My father had gone, and my father, my, my father was a God bless his soul was ahead of me many many years. So I go to Indiana. I had never seen Coach Knight coach. Had no idea what I was getting into. But I, you know, that era, it is whomever is in charge, you respect and do what they ask. My father put me on a football scholarship, and I asked him about that, and I said, "Why?" He said, "Because I didn't necessarily want Coach. He knew how Coach coached. I didn't want him to have that kind of control over you." And I thought that was an interesting observation. I asked him that actually after I was done. But, yeah, I played two years of football. I started at free safety. Um, and, uh, and, and, and now I can – honestly, I, I had a gift. I'm just telling you, I had a gift. I, I was 6'2", 200 at that time. I'm running a 4'5", 40 as a free safety. And, and so – and I wasn't afraid of the game. And you can't be afraid of football. Football, you got to play. And you know you gotta you listen. You gotta be prepared to take somebody's head off because for sure they're doing that. So I did that for two years, and it was fun. But my passion was basketball. My my greatest gift was athletic ability. Football. My passion was basketball, and that's how I ended up being a, a basketball player. And what a crew! I mean, the Indiana Hoosiers. And again, I shared I on the Farm Bureau Insurance Television. <laughs> I, I got to watch those games. And what people forget, people may remember that Indiana won the national championship in Philadelphia at the Spectrum in 1976. Mm -hmm. But the previous year, you guys were undefeated in the Big Ten. The last game, Scott May out of Sandusky, Ohio, breaks his arm in that Purdue game and you end up losing to Kentucky. So you're right there. You're a championship caliber team and you get turned away in part because Scott May got hurt. But then you go undefeated the next year. That it reminds me of the Spurs. That one year they got right to the cusp. I think it was against the Heat, and they came all the way back. I mean, to win the regular season, you know, the good record, and get back and win the championship. And that's what your team did. Under well, Tommy Knight. Excuse me. The the thing that I and you you've hit on it, and I think it's really important. People just kind of take this in context. 
what, what we were able to do in 76 was primarily because of what we didn't do in 75, because you still have to have a high level of drive and focus on your mission, obviously, to win the championship. And when you feel that you have the best team in basketball the year before, Scott May breaks his arm, but I think people need to understand when Scott healthy, he had carried us a long way. And the next year that he was a player of the year in the co in college basketball. So you're talking about a terrific right, player. Right. And he wasn't at full scale. But even at that, you know how how small uh, or it is, how minuscule the chances are for things to go exactly the way you want them to go. Therefore, you have to make sure you put that extra effort. And I, I'm a firm believer, first of all, 75's team was better, just if Scott's healthy. But 76 team was driven by the fact that we didn't have the success that I think some of us thought we should have had in 75. So it kept us emotionally at a higher pitch and allowed us to stay focused um, on winning the championship, knowing if you don't make a play, I don't care when it is, it can be the difference between you not winning and losing the game, but winning and losing the championship. But you're thinking that every time you make a play a play has to be made. So that's what I, I, I really, that's my, my feeling about that. But as much as anything, I'm equal. I'm proud of going undefeated is, is I get it. But we went two years in big 10 conference and didn't lose a game. That right, to me right. is a bigger feat in its own right. When you think about now they call them big five conference, but big 10 has always had great athletics at the football basketball level. And to do that to me says this was a team that was, was was pretty good. Absolutely, beat Ricky Green in Michigan for the championship, yep. and like the Cincinnati Reds teams of that era, I could name your entire Leskowski, Green, Wilkerson, Benson, May, Buckner. What was it like playing for Bobby Knight? Coach was demanding, but I come from a father who was demanding. My, as I said, my father was an was an athlete. My father was one of those people who, if, they, if you had to tell you twice, you had a problem. So I was that part I dealt with. What I didn't deal with well, and uh, particularly my sophomore year, I kind of just got through it my freshman year because um, you're just trying to acclimate. Was I didn't didn't care for the way the message was delivered. And at one point, my father and I had had a conversation. And he even suggested that I might consider leaving because I had a search. I don't remember what it was, but Tom, something happened and I was trying to get it corrected and talk to Coach Knight. He wouldn't talk to me. He walked up the stairs and said, I don't have anything to say to you. And he said it in certain, with some extra words. And my father, was, I, I talked to him about it and, and we go through this whole conversation as you would with your child. And he says, son, you either make, here's a question. Either listen to what he says and, and do that and take out of consideration how he says it, you'll be fine. If you can't do that, then you may want to consider going somewhere else. And, and that really triggered for me because what he, was, what he said, and in addition to what he said, he said, because if it's the right thing to do, do it. So if you take it out of context in terms of how it's delivered and take the message as the message, he was right. The majority, of, I mean, he was right as a rule. He, he's, a, he's a brilliant guy, so he was right. So I, I had to get to that to be able to not have any anxiety or whatever you want to call it for playing for coach. But the thing I knew for him, he had done something when I was a freshman. Um, Minnesota had the great team. Dave Winfield, who's the great player, uh, Jim Brewer, uh, Clyde Turner. They had a heck of a team. They had the best team in the conference. There's no doubt about it. And they were going to play Northwestern near the end of the season. And we were right there tied with them, uh, 
something right in there. And Coach Knight said, they're going to lose at Northwestern. Now, no offense to Northwestern and all, all of the journalists you and I know from Northwestern. As a basketball school, they weren't noted for that. And lo and right. behold, they went up there and Minnesota lost. And, and that was one of the other things that got my attention. So from a buy-in perspective, you got buy-in that, you know, he knows what he's talking about. So when he starts sharing information and he keeps coming at you as hard as he did, and my dad and I had a discussion, I just took it took the context. I didn't take the way it came at me. And that's how I was able to, to do what I was, I, we were able to do. So just for today's jargon or parlance, somebody would say, you didn't like his methodology. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't like his methodology, but I love the guy because right. the other thing I knew about him for sure, Tom, there wasn't any question about, and I think when you, you manage people that way, I don't think you can do it anymore. They have to know that you care about them. Right. And that's part of leadership. If, if I know you care about me, you're coming at me with that. I can deal with it. It's like family. You know, family comes at you sometime and you like look at them. All right. Well, it was, that's what it was like. But the methodology, let's put it this way. That's not my method. Let's <laughs> so yeah, leave right. it at that. We'll have more of my conversation with Quinn Buckner after this. In this time of social distancing, NovaCare Rehabilitation is offering physical therapy from the comfort and safety of your home through their new tele-rehab program. NovaCare will virtually bring their services to you so you may heal, build strength, and get back to the things you love. Tele-rehab lets you easily connect with one of NovaCare's licensed therapists through web-based technology that is HIPAA compliant. For more information, visit NovaCare.com. Now back to my chat with Quinn Buckner. So, and I don't want to discount this because then after that, you'd already played on an international level. But that summer, you know, you end up getting drafted by Milwaukee, seventh overall. But you play on the 1976 United States Olympic gold medal winning team in Montreal. And like I said, to put on USA and to win a gold, what did that feel like? Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, let me just give you a couple of things that happened. Coach Knight knew I wanted to be an Olympian and because I wanted to be an Olympian more so than playing in the NBA. I hadn't thought about I, I wasn't sure if I was skilled enough, honestly. I just wasn't sure. So I played on the international teams my first three years of school, including when Larry Bird came to Indiana. I was in an international competition when Larry Bird came from French Lick, Indiana, to come to, to the university for the first two weeks. Uh, I was playing with David Thompson and that great team with Norm Sloan, Monty Tao, and Tom Burleson. And so I, I wasn't there to, to help Larry kind of, I think, acclimate himself through that. But my point was simply Coach Knight kept me involved in international competition to prepare for the opportunity to be on the Olympic team. Now, as many of those closer to our age know, 72, it was taken from us. There's no question. It was taken from us. You know, you run, they played a game three times to try to get the outcome, they, the, the last, I think, three minutes to get the outcome they want. So we were considered, you know, Scott May, Adrian Danley, uh, Ernie Grunfeld, Mitch. Mitch Kupchak, Phil Ford, Walter Davis. I mean, we've got a real crew. Those guys are legit. Those are all really good basketball players. And so there was some real question as to whether or not Coach Smith, Dean Smith, for those of you who don't know, great Coach Smith, and Coach Thompson, John Thompson was an assistant. Right. I mean, we, we had a heck of a staff, but, but people didn't think, that we were going to be able to do it because we didn't have size, hadn't been together. And it was our thought that we're going to, again, talk about the motivation when I was a senior in, high, in college, the same thing for this. We're highly motivated to get that back. 
I don't know. I mean, you can always speculate. Had we consistently been winning, we'd had the same motivation because you would take it for granted. The Russians were really good, and they're the ones that took that the game went to in 72. But we didn't play them in the final game. We played Yugoslavia, who was really big then. Now, it's, it's not Yugo, no longer Yugoslavia, but that's what it was then. And for me, um, there is no better – um, feeling in, and from an athletic standpoint, even when an NBA championship is happening as I was then, then representing your country and the sport that you have been participating in and playing the national anthem for that, that's huge. Uh, I, I get chills about that thought even today. It's one of the greatest things I've ever been involved in. I bet I get a lump in my throat thinking about it. Yeah. So then you go to the Bucks, and in your fifth year under Nelly, you guys are really good. You win 60 games. And you get into the Eastern Conference semifinals. It's 81, 1981, and you face Dr. J and the Sixers, and they knocked you out. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we had struggled. We were green and growing, if you will, the first couple of years. Um, because for those of you who don't remember, and this is really revisionist history, uh, Junior Bridgman, who was a terrific player, Brian Winters was on our team. Dave Myers had left our team. We had, like, Mickey Johnson at the time. But Dave Myers is Andy Myers' brother and was a great UCLA player. They had come over in the Kareem trade. I came the year after that, and then we got Kent Benson, Marcus Johnson, Sidney Moncrief. Uh, Bob Lanier is on our team. So we've got a team that can play. But listen, you got Bobby Jones and Doc and, and Mo Cheeks. It, it really just came down to, you know, those, just more skilled. I, I mean, I'm just – that's really what it was. We we were trying to hang in there. And I don't think we had the kind of confidence you need. When you play a team with that kind of talent where you can give it to Doc at any moment and he can make some kind of play that you've never seen before, um, that's what you have to have when you're deep in the playoffs. As you know, Tom, the further you go in the playoffs, I think it's more about the talent. Um, it, it really is. I mean, you could X and O it, but with the, the defense is going to be solid. There are going to be times that everybody knows what each other are doing. Now you got to have a guy that can just find a way to get a bucket or get to the foul line. Bobby Jones would D up. Mo would come up with a steal. You know, Clint, you got guys doing that. Um, you know, you, you got a bunch of guys that can make plays. And for us, we just – honestly, I just didn't think – you know, in retrospect, I wasn't sure we had enough. That's not – I'm not trying to complicate it. We just didn't have enough. Right. But later you get traded to the Celtics in the Dave Collins deal. And in your second year in Boston, 83-84, again, yeah. you win 60 games. And you're with Larry Bird and Shale and Parrish and DJ. You come off the bench and guys win the championship, one of the great NBA teams. You beat the Lakers. What was that like with the Celtics? That was terrific. I, to give you a part of the way I think, you know, so I'm Americana, if you will, quote, unquote. Uh, having gone through high school with that success and the, and the Olympics, I always thought I was a Celtic at heart. I really did because th th and this is weird. Wayne Embry had drafted me, and Wayne Embry was a great player for the Celtics. He ended when, he's the one that actually got Kareem in Milwaukee. Wayne Embry and Coach Knight were really close. One of the guys that really that that I got to know, and I mean one of the really bright men I've ever been around, was Red Arback. And Absolutely. Coach Knight and Red Arbach were really close. And matter of fact, Red would only ask Coach Knight about college players. The rest of it, he just kind of scouted on his own. So at one point, what happened was after you after 81, we lose. You know, 82, basically, we play and we're decent. I tear my thumb and I'm done. But it was, it was a blessing because my son was born like a month later. So it was a blessing. So I find myself out and I'm going to Boston. 
Well, initially, I was disappointed because my ego was in it, frankly. I'm borderline all-star starting, whatever. Going to Boston, obviously for my career, was the greatest thing that, that could have happened because I go to an organization that has established at the upper level of winning. And, you know, as you well know, having beat the 76ers at one point for the Eastern Conference Championship, they, they, were, they were consistent in their winning. The year that I went, the first year, we weren't really good we weren't tied together we're good we just weren't tied together so in 83 84 you play in a series that's east coast west coast larry bird magic johnson and it's got everything you want in it and i was just trying to make sure as i always did on any team that i can make a contribution in any game and um when we lost you know it was one of those things because it was two three two and we'd lost, uh, we were in the process of losing the game, and Gerald Henderson steals the ball, and it really flips the series. Because if you go down one, one game and you go out to the other team's uh, home court and they got three games, right. there's a chance you're going to lose two of those games. So now you're looking at playing at some point, coming home to play an elimination game. So having weathered that kind of storm, I think brought on a, a, a greater amount of intensity, but it couldn't have been any more fun than have done that and beating the Lakers because, you know, they the Lakers and the Celtics as a rule, uh, and, the, and the Sixers had moved up there, but the Lakers and the Celtics had been the toast of the league. So to be able to beat them, and it was really showtime against Blue Collar. And, you know, I, I, as good as everybody was, you know, Magic was good. But I'm going to tell you what, the, the captain, the big fella, Kareem, oh, my goodness. Right. He was out, out of this world. And we just happened to have some guys play good. Cedric Maxwell, who played well against the Sixers, in 81 and won the MVP, played great for us in game seven. And it was really a big part of why we were able to beat him. And so, because we had Kevin McHale, Cedric didn't play a whole lot that year. But in that game, he played like he'd been starting the entire year and was terrific in all aspects. And then you guys ended up playing the Lakers again in 86 so, and they enacted their revenge. Well... We played, yeah, we actually played them again, and they, they, they caught us. They beat us. It was just that simple. We, in 85, we played them, and they beat us. Um, and, and they beat us, and I think it was a little bit because they did. You remember what I talked about, the IU or the 75? It, it is that, that shadow of a doubt that you know that's there that allows you to play at a slightly higher level than you did before, and they did. And they were, for, for that series, they were better. You know, I, at some point, you got to admit the guy's better. Then we're just better. When watching The Last Dance, there was one of those sequences <laughs> where Michael was <laughs> I knew you were going in. So you were in this inner circle with Michael Jordan. What did you see uh, off the court? As obviously, you got to be friends with him. Um, really good guy. Uh, he really is. He's a good guy. He's a smart guy. Um, but he's an, he's an intense competitor. And everything, and and you just know that when you deal with him, um, and either you, you you're either going to have to be an intense competitor with him, or you just don't compete with him on those on on, on that on anything. Um, but I, I don't. I, the last it was interesting, even that he did it. Quite frankly, as I as, as but I think he felt it was something that needed to to have happen. I just was hoping that people could see that though he was competitive and he challenged internally inside in what they were doing, that at his heart, he's really a good human being. Um, and I've been blessed enough to be around a lot of guys at that level. I have a greater 
you know, this, this relationship and Larry and, and, and those guys, they are intense personalities. Some people can be intense and play in, in, the, in the field or on the court and turn it off. Some can't. It's just how they're built. Because I don't, the, the thing, and we were talking earlier, and I think it's important for people to understand, this is what I think is going to be the challenge even in the bubble and the time frame. Because the mental capacity to be able to withstand all of the things that come at you that can be foreign to what is just a, a smooth ride, you have to be able to endure. But that takes preparation. And the guys have been out of the game for a while. And that ability to do that, that, that those great players have, and they have it at a higher level, is a matter of preparation. And it's daily, daily preparation. It's minute-by-minute minute preparation. It's who they are. So, I, I, I mean, that's, that's what I, I know about them. But at the end of the day, what you hope for all of them, they're good people. And I want the people, the, the casual fan who's, who's listening to this, I don't care what you see about the 99.9% of these guys. They are really good people that you see grow up right in front of your eyes. And sometimes they do and say some things that don't make sense for you. And they really don't make sense for them. But they're young men and young women who make mistakes. And if you're around them on a prolonged period of time or you get the chance to sit with them, you realize they're just human beings that do what all of us do. They make mistakes, and they're smart, they'll grow, and they'll learn. Well, Quinn, I can't thank you enough. Great insight. Tremendous to talk to you. I wish you the best, and hopefully we'll see you uh, at some point down the road. Who knows when that may be. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Tom. Look forward to it. Thanks for listening to Tom's Talks with me, Tom McGinnis, on the 76ers Podcast Network. Check for new episodes every weekend. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. You've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.